0: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
1: So we are up to eight incidents in total as of today as a Seven St. Mike students have now been charged with as many as 18 charges involving anything from sex assault, gang sex assault, and assault. This gets confusing. So here is kind of a simplistic timeline because not all eight incidents were sexual and not all were criminal. So here's what the Toronto police confirmed today. And that is three of those eight cases, in fact, have had charges laid in them. Here is Tor- uh, Toronto Police Inspector Dominic Sinopoli uh, commenting on the case itself.
0: From start to finish, we have investigated eight different occurrences. Some of these occurrences were obviously criminal, while others required further investigation. Of the eight occurrences, we are proceeding on criminal charges in relation to three of them. The remaining five occurrences are being concluded, either because there was no criminal allegation or the complainants did not want to participate in the investigation.
1: So initially, six teens were charged in relation to two separate incidents that were uh, involved allegedly with this videotape that surfaced in mid-November. Now, today we learn a seventh boy has been charged in connection to an incident that apparently happened in mid-October. And police believe that was also videotaped, but they will not discuss the nature of it. But they do say that some of the boys charged in the initial incident are also now charged with this new case that happened in October. And police also confirming today that the accused were all members of the football team. So just for background information, that first incident we had talked about was November 19th. And that involves allegations of a young boy sexually assaulted with a broom in a locker room. The second tape was of a boy said to be stripped down and slapped on his bare buttocks, I guess, as he was held under some water in near a sink. And so then we have this third incident that has come forward. But this incident happened around October uh, 15, mid-October. But police have not yet disclosed what's on that videotape, and they will not. But it is likely of a sexual nature. But listen to this clip, because this surprised me a little, of the message that they were sending today.
0: With regards to the filming and or the publishing of the video, I can tell you that we are still actively investigating the fact that the original sexual assault was both videotaped and subsequently distributed. I can further advise you that despite the various warnings we have credible evidence to suggest that people are still in possession of this video and or have made attempts to upload it on social media. As I have stated The video and its distribution is a constant reminder to victims of the trauma they have endured. We will be relentless in this regard. Altering or cropping the video does not change the digital identifiers of the video. You will be caught and you will be charged.
1: So they are still actively investigating these cases, but I think the big takeaway for me today was that comment right there. You know, that despite all the warnings about these videos that they have been putting out, and the severity of what they have been saying is on them, that, that they're even possibly still being passed around by kids, not just in Toronto, but who knows how far they stretch, is, is shocking because you've been warned and warned. And so my takeaway from today's press conference is that that's the final warning. If you haven't gotten rid of that, they're now going to start going after to see who's sending what and uploading. They, it, Toronto's got one of the best sex crimes units in the world, and they will find who is sharing that around. So I'm kind of staggered. Why wouldn't parents be having this conversation? We'll talk with a professional at 846. He's got some really valuable advice for parents on how they should be dealing with that. But I want to bring Joe Newberger into the conversation now because this is one of those cases that is very, very unique. with this number of young people charged, a lot will go on between now and the case. And it is pretty complex. Joe Newberger, joining me now. Joe, this is uh, this St. Mike's story g- grows bigger by the day. But one of the things that really jumps out to me is the fact that the sheer number of kids charged in this. I think this is a Canadian first when it comes to young people charged. Am I right?
2: Well, I, there are other projects that have involved you know youth that were charged with various offenses, but something like this, this is fairly significant. But you know. I'm not as surprised that this has happened for certain reasons. Mm -hmm. Why? I mean, you know, I think when I was interviewed before, I was talking about how in um, university culture and in NCAA in particular, these types of whatever initiation or hazing type of traditions have gone on for a long time. And either there's been a blind eye turn to it or the culture around it has sort of just accepted it. And now we are coming into a new area, era where we have, you know, a different dialogue and a different view of things and people are finally speaking up. So, it, you know, I'm a little surprised to some extent that it took this long for something to surface, but I'm not surprised that you have various members of teams who are charged with this type of activity.
1: This is interesting, though, as far as getting these cases to trial. Um, seven kids, yeah. you know, there could be more. What are some of the complexities of getting these cases into a courtroom, and how would the Crown then be treating them? Would they get tried together? Are they tried separately? Would they be working on deals with some? Well,
2: first of all, they're they're young offenders, so they're under the Youth Criminal Justice Act, so it's a slightly different regime. Um, There would be no preliminary inquiry, so they would be going directly to trial. Mm -hmm. The first process would be to make sure they get fulsome disclosure and do that in a timely manner so the defense lawyers can make their decisions. Um, I'm not familiar with evidence against each individual, but there may be, in certain instances where there's video evidence, uh, fairly incontroversial evidence that they would not be able to overcome, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's going to be some negotiations with some of these individuals. And because they are youth, there is a number of opportunities available within the youth regime for remedial steps. And you know, if I was one of the lawyers on the file, I certainly, depending upon my client's liability, I would have them involved immediately in certain remedial activities now for use in some type of negotiation because there is a right. broad there is a broad range of ways to deal with these types of cases as serious as it is we are still dealing with youth and mm-hmm. so there is create, there is creativity available to deal with it.
1: And and on the flip side of this there's not just a criminal issue here the parents of each of these kids who are accused would also have to deal with civil issues I would assume.
2: Well, I mean, the parents aren't, like, are not vicariously liable for the actions of their children. Their children could be sued, but, you know, good luck. Um, I think the liability flows directly to the school mm-hmm. because they have the duty of care owed to the student who's the victim or the victims. And they have to ensure that they have proper protocol and policies and supervision in place to prevent this from happening. And so they're the ones who are going to have the insurance coverage, and if not the insurance coverage, they're the ones who are going to have the deep pockets here.
1: Yeah. Well, the principal will not be charged, neither will other school officials, as we learned today in the police uh, press conference. That does not, however, as we get back to this, mean that the school itself or uh, those in charge will not be looking at civil action.
2: Yeah. No, I, I would be extremely surprised. If if there was no civil actions filed against the school and the uh, and the administration there, I mean I, I think that's just a, something that's going to naturally flow.
1: And the other thing was that I was a bit surprised about, and the inspector was quite um, definitive in his explanation about, you know, they've warned, get this video off your phone, do not pass around this video. They've been saying that for a few weeks, but I think today was a different tone because the fact that these videos are still going around tells me that they're not having, you know, parents are not having conversations with their kids at home to say, look, this is not a joke. You can't do this kind of stuff. It's a crime. Um, But I get the sense that the police are saying, We've warned you, and now we're going to come after you. And I'm not sure that kids understand the severity of, of this kind of um, allegation.
2: It, it, it's an excellent point. So this is child pornography.
1: Yep. And
2: and if you're in possession of it and you're distributing it, if you're sharing it with your friends, then you're distributing child pornography. So these are serious charges. Again, if it's youth, it's serious. If they're over 18, it's even more serious. So the police are trying to get across. This is not something you keep on your phone. This is not something you share. Mm-hmm. It's not something you look at. This is a criminal offense. And unfortunately, youth don't understand this because, again, you know, social media, the phone recording, silly things that people post on Instagram, you know, they're sort of immune to it and desensitized. And there has to be a strong education now from parents and schools that these are crimes, that you're creating and distributing uh, pornography. And this is completely inappropriate and can lead to very serious criminal sanctions. And nobody wants that type of trouble.
1: But that's not a St. Mike's issue. If I were a parent, and and look, Joe, I I called my sister and my sister-in-law, both of whom have kids kind of around that age, boys. And I said, you might want to have a conversation with them because these videos are out there and they need to know. They said, oh, we've already done that. But I get the sense that a lot of parents might not have had that conversation. It's a great opportunity for every parent to be sitting at the table to say, look. I'm not accusing you of anything, but this—you've got to understand these are laws, and if you're caught, even someone sending it to you, can get in trouble.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's very important. I mean, you know, we've look—I have children; I have, I have two boys and a girl, and I've had these conversations, especially because of a criminal lawyer yep. and I'm overly yep. paranoid. But you have got to monitor to some extent their social media usage and access, and their phones, and you have got to have these discussions—not once, but on an ongoing basis—to reinforce it, and also, you know, to reinforce respect. Uh, for, you know, boundaries and respect for other people's bodily integrity. Mm-hmm. And so these are all very important uh, discussions that have to happen with our children. This is a good jumping off point because we haven't had something as high profile as this happen. It's come to the fore, and now we can have very good dialogue about it. But schools have to be engaged in this as well.
1: Yeah. The other interesting thing that the inspector didn't say a lot about, he was asked, you know, are any of the accused also victims in this? And he was not prepared to answer the question. But it does suggest to me, Joe, that maybe some of the boys could have been possibly pressured into going along.
2: Absolutely. Look, You know, these initiations, if somebody is in their first year, they would be initiated. Then if they're in their third year, they could be a participant, but pressured by the others. And so there's a myriad of factors which will go into assessing really what their culpability is. And we're dealing with youth. I mean, 14-, 15-year-olds, we are not dealing with developed brains. They're not at a mature level. That's why I say we need to use creativity, and there's a great opportunity to deal with them in a more holistic manner now than just the blunt force of the criminal law. These are very serious allegations, but that being said we're dealing with children as well. Mm-hmm. And so there are ways that we can be creative to deal with them in the criminal justice system, put in remedial programming right now, educate them, help them deal with some psychological issues, and try and make something good come out of something that was terribly bad.
1: And I know that a lot of parents are, are very angered by the fact that so many sports uh, you know, programs have been canceled for the year, but I would have to think, um, from the school's perspective, they got to deal with liability issues here, and they're probably being a bit overcautious. But that would be the the cause for them canceling it, correct?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they're probably uh, of the opinion that it's not in good taste right now to carry on with these programs. Yeah. They're not sure if they're going to have the right mechanisms in place to make sure that this doesn't happen again, and the school body is being taught a lesson, even though you know it's a collective punishment that you know this type of thing. Is going to result in the cancellation of teams and participation in sports, and because this is extremely serious, and that may be one appropriate way of dealing with it. And we've seen in the United States yeah. where teams involved in some sort of inappropriate sexual activity and they're banned from from NCAA participation.
1: Yeah. Well, this story is going to be around for a long time, and we're going to be covering it. So, uh, buckle up, I'll Joe. Be here. Yeah, of course you will. Thank you. <laughs> and I, unless you're hired, don't get hired because we need you. All right. There you go, Alex. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.